Welcome to another edition of What the Cross Means to Me, devotional program. This is your host, Rob Holt, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 and AM 930. It is good to be with you as we contemplate fresh perspectives on the meaning of the cross. I am not a theologian, but a photographer of over 30 years. If a picture tells a thousand words, then yes, I guess you could say I preach to the glory of our Creator by capturing, illustrating, and sharing what the Creator has created. My mission is to share the gospel through my imagery, the spoken word, and the written word. This radio program fulfills the spoken part, and the imagery utilized for this devotional are of a singular cross on a lonely hill shot over a two-year period. The written word for this program comes from a book I published about that cross collection. It matches 30 of those cross images with 30 original essays from a wide spectrum of Christian leaders sharing their insights on the cross. This book shares the same name as this program, What the Cross Means to Me, by Harvest House Publishing. Each week, we read one of the essays and ponder the wider meaning of the cross through the Word of God. This week's essay is He Gave Me His Life by Annie Chapman. Annie Chapman is a gifted musician and the author of several books, including Letting Go of Anger, The Mother-in-Law Dance, and Hot Topics for Couples, along with her husband Steve. And it was the concert stage that she shared with Steve, traveling and performing around the country, writing books, articles, speaking at conferences, and ministering through radio and TV give Annie many opportunities to reach a wide audience for Christ. So let us begin, and I will start the essay, He Gave His Life to Me. When I was five years old, a preacher came to our rural West Virginia home. At that time, we were an unchurched family. And the visitation from the local Methodist preacher was considered an honor. It was during that visit I heard for the first time that Jesus loved me. I didn't understand who he was or why he would regard me with affection. Yet, as a little child, I recall being amazed by the fact that Jesus esteemed me a person worthy of his love. It was on that hot, sunny day that I decided if Jesus loved me, then I loved him too. Little did I know how important the precious seed of the gospel that was sown in my young heart would soon become. It was later that same summer that my life would change forever. A farmhand who worked for my father tragically assaulted me, and the offense sent me on a downward emotional spiral. 
I became a very sad, wounded child who was left to deal with the harsh rawness of life. In those childhood years, I recall praying, If there is a God, then kill me. Don't make me live with all this pain. The years seemed to crawl by for me. When I was 17 years old, I left that farm and ventured off to college. Though I tried to leave the troubling memories behind, they followed me and daily haunted my very soul. However, it was not long after entering the environment of a Christian school that my years of despair intersected with the cross. It was at that crossroad I learned not only that Jesus loved me, but he loved me enough to die for me. Gloriously, we made the great exchange. Jesus took my desire to die and all the sadness that lived within me and, in turn, gave me his life. The cross symbolizes the inevitable choice every human must make. What will you do with Christ? For some, that cross is a stumbling block that provokes anger. For others, it is a nuisance they try to rationally dismiss. However, to those who have embraced its true meaning and chosen to walk its path, it leads to eternal life. There is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that had I not come to the cross, laid down my sorrows, and accepted the finished work of Christ, I would not be alive today. While that cross is a symbol of death for our Christ, for our Savior, it means eternal life to me. And so ends the essay, He Gave His Life to Me by Ann Chapman, as written and submitted for the book, What the Cross Means to Me. The photo accompanying this essay is The Blessing, which is an image of the cross, but with the cross only filling in the bottom left quarter of the image. There is a heavenly mix of golden clouds and with the rays of the sun descending down on the cross. This image blessing, reminds me of the scene of the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, except this scene could be from Easter morning after the resurrection of Jesus and God, the Father, saying, This cross was the sacrificial lamb of my Son, in whom I am very, very, very pleased, used to save all of mankind. Now this essay starts with Annie sharing with us how she grew up on a farm in West Virginia and how a visiting pastor made an impact on her with the words, Jesus loves her. Such simple words that lasted her entire life and made a difference through the difficult times she would face in life and all the different experiences that that she would encounter. The reaction I have from a very practical level is, one, We should always be cognizant of the words we speak around and especially to children. It seems obvious, but it helps to hear it again from time to time. Just stay always aware of this truth around little ones. Number two, 
the importance of words. For example, words in music. As John Michael Talbot reminds us, our life, if we accept it, can be a song composed by God. Music alone can make a beautiful melody, and words alone, a beautiful poem. Married together as one, they create a song in a perfect harmony. Jesus is the song of all eternity, and Jesus is the melody of God, the incarnate word. Jesus is God's poetry. Jesus is the perfect song. And to take it a bit further, if we have the free will to ask Jesus in our hearts, then we allow God to be the composer of our life. But back to the essay. Annie shared how the words, Jesus loves you, reminded me of a similar experience. I did not grow up on a farm, but in a home with parents who were both addicted to heroin. When I turned four, my father was sent to prison for the second time, and my mom divorced him. Not too long after, she began living with a heroin dealer who, I guess, had no patience for a kid and had a troubled mind, or a troubled mind and spirit. He began to abuse me physically, and one day beat me so bad, I was taken to the hospital and he was taken to prison. The state took me for my mom, and I bounced around foster homes until the courts gave my grandparents custody of me. Soon after living with them, a priest visited us. At one moment, the priest asked if we could talk in private. They agreed, and we sat in his car in front of the house. I do not remember the majority of the actual words, hardly anything of what he shared with me, except the feeling I felt. And from the way he said them, and especially when he said something like, I love you, and Jesus loves you even more. And something about no matter what, happens to you or what you do, Jesus will never stop loving you. I felt an interior peace I had never felt before. And like Annie, those words stayed with me and strengthened me through the many trials I later experienced in life. A few years later, when I was about seven, there was an altar call type opportunity, which is kind of rare for a Sunday school class, but there in Third grade Sunday school class, I I said the sinner's prayer, gave my life to the one who loved me so much. As I opened my eyes full of tears, I saw the other students staring back at me in shock. Then they all burst out in laughter. I felt like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The Sunday school teacher admonished them to stop, and I composed myself. I have to admit it did hurt, and I tried not to let it show. Moreover, I remember thinking something like, at least Jesus loves me. Now, Annie discussed how the effect of what happened to her by the farmhand manifested as she grew up. And it is easy for me to understand how that could be. And there is a reason I can, that I can share with you about how easy it is for me to empathize. And while I am not minimizing her abuse at all, there are many other types of abuse that can really mess up the head of a kid. Mine was physical abuse and a level of neglectful In hindsight, I think one led to the other, meaning when neglected at such a young age, just over four, a child has to do something to get attention. Most often, parents misinterpret or completely miss it. In my case, my cry for help was received as a major annoyance and resulted in rage. Sometimes 
A kid simply gets their needs unmet in a neglect, by neglectful guardians, and even neglect can have psychological effects as well. Of course, physical abuse um, have, have lifelong events, and in some cases a child may not be neglected or physically beat, but may have to endure emotional abuse by a parent who is unwell or overly controlling. And yes, what happened to Annie scarred her into her teen years. All children who experience one or a mix of these can never really be cured, but becomes a part of who they are forever. In some cases, it can lead to a dangerous road filled with either alcohol, drugs, a promiscuous life of sex, most often with the worst of partners, incarceration, jail, a disease, or an early death. The pastor we had when I was growing up often said, I get the feeling he got it from someone else, but he often said, there's a God-shaped hole in the soul of every person that only God can fill. The good news of the gospel is that when you are in Christ, you become a new creature, a new person. And just when one is born again, I mean, not just when one is born again for the first time, but daily, a conversion that soothes and heals can take away all those hurts. After my Sunday school conversion experience, things got weird in my life. I must have been about 10. We moved to a new city and my dad fell in with the wrong crowd and began using drugs. Yes, heroin and alcohol. Um, He was not an angry drunk, thank goodness, but, and I choose this word purposefully, purposefully, he was a pathetic drunk. He just acts, act, I can't even describe how he acted, but it usually resulted in him passing out in the front room or at any time of day and for many hours of time, just be there passed out. My mom would confront him for obvious substance abuse. He would simply leave and go live on the streets. Months would pass, and he'd go through detox, then a rescue mission, then back home, where my overly faithful mother would accept him back, thinking, this would be the time my prayers would be answered. But as I shared in my last episode on the Old Rugged Cross, that has to be my dad's choice. And as I was entering my teen years and needing to work on who I am in this world, I was forced to continually deal with deep emotional and spiritually stunting issues uh, regarding my dad. Why? Because even though the prayers of my mom would help, it mostly helped her, it came down to my dad making the choice to stop or get help or real psychological help. He didn't, and the cycle continued for 20 years or more. My heart began to get hardened, not just from wondering and later not caring if he'd come home, but he'd often steal from us and from me on his way out. Everything from stereo equipment to guitar that I was learning, he often would steal from us on the way out. So when my mom saw signs of trouble in me, she doubled her efforts to ensure that I was on the Christian path. But as those of you listening who have raised adolescents know, that approach just pushes them in the other direction. She did not realize I needed to work things out with Jesus on my own, not through her way of addressing things. 
as well-intentioned and as full of love that desire was. It was a complicated high school experience, straddling the line between both worlds. But it was when I began to live on my own, right after high school at 19, and after a very surreal car accident, I came full circle to Jesus on my own terms and in my own way. I'm so grateful for Jesus making me new again. It made an incredible difference for Annie at her Christian college. Sounds like we both had this wonderful healing experience a year or two out of high school. An experience that shaped our entire lives, gave us a strong foundation of faith, and in ways that made our existence so much better, and also with a joyful desire to share the cleansing and regenerative life of Christ with others struggling through their deep issues. Annie said she made the great exchange, a laudable exchange with Christ. It meant giving Jesus all her issues, including the desire to end her life. And in turn, Jesus gave Annie his life. Then she was not just living on or for herself, but in and for Jesus. In this essay, Annie asked a very telling question. One that is posed to every human. What will you do with this Christ? Or also, what will you do with this cross of Christ? Some accept it. Some pretend to accept it. Some ignore it. And some downright despise the cross. And thus, everything about Christianity. Some people really react negatively to this symbol of hope and redemption. And thus, negatively affect the spiritual lives of countless people. As I mentioned in my last podcast, The Old Rugged Cross, I mentioned about how my time at gallery shows and craft fairs, I had people incredulous that I would ever think something so dark and divisive of as the cross could really be art. Really, this started right from the beginning of me sharing the cross collection with the public. At my first gallery show, a fellow artist and her friends, not knowing that I was the creator in earshot, went on and on about how ugly the images were, how much of a symbol of hate it was, and how much bad it brought into the world, and how stupid this guy must be to think that this could be art. While at the same time I was hearing this, a colleague I invited had showed up to the show. He didn't see me, but saw the the collection, and by the third cross began to weep. It hit him very, very hard. And I realized, it doesn't matter what people say, God has a plan for my life to positively impact thousands of people for the kingdom. And it gave me the resolve to face any negative or hateful energy directed at me. Because as I said in this beginning of this devotional, at least Jesus loves me. And as Annie mentioned, for those who embrace the cross, it leads to eternal life. As we learned in the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, by Reverend Bernard, Reverend Bernard sees the Christ and the cross as inseparable. So by clinging to the cross, something that is carried, something someone needs to carry, if you cling to Jesus, who helps you carry your cross. So we're all called to carry our own cross. And by clinging to Christ, he helps us carry it. Think about that. Annie mentioned that if she had not made the decision to accept the sacrifice of Jesus, then she believed she would have died 
and early death. Likewise, the path I was on, with the effects of my father's choices on me, and with his chemical tendencies encoded in my DNA, I could have ended up in a dark path to an ultimately untimely demise. But glory to God in the highest, I was changed. My sins were forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And by being in Christ and he in me, I have a new spirit of joy, peace, and gratitude. Now, these two examples are of direct laudable exchanges. In Annie's scenario, when accepting the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, Jesus literally gave his life for her, meaning the trajectory of her life was rerouted as her new life in Christ means she changed her thought process, leading to new behavior patterns and new decisions about all aspects of her life. In other words, she embarked on a whole new path affecting every aspect of who she was. I elaborate on this effect on one person, but there are times when someone accepts his life, Jesus' life for their own, the redemptive implication goes way beyond that person. Sometimes that is hard to quantify, and at other times it is undeniable. Where it is undeniable where the epicenter of the redemption ripples are emanating from, right? where the source of those redemptive ripples coming from. In my situation, the scenario is actually quite quantifiable and dramatic. You see, my mother became pregnant when she was 15. And she had me when she was 16. But by 15, she had already become a heroin addict with a nasty smoking habit. Roe v. Wade had not yet been decided, and there was no local abortion options. She tried to network for back alley or Tijuana-based options, but she had no resources and resigned herself to go ahead and give birth. Now, some people in her situation actually change at that moment. Just by having a baby to love and to care for changes them. But my mom did not. She continued to smoke and use hard drugs for many of my formative years. After her heroin-dealing boyfriend beat me into the hospital and him into prison, my mom hit rock bottom. I was probably four and a half when the state took me from her and I began my journey through the foster home system. But at this low point, she reached out in prayer, and said, God, if you are real, please change me. And from that moment, she became a new person. She went from being addicted to drugs, cigarettes, and cursing, often, and was now found to be a woman of God. She was a woman of God for the rest of her life from that one prayer. Now, my mom told me two things that are the only words of import from her to me. Not that I discount many other things she said, but these two are so profound that they overshadow everything else. One, if Roe v. Wade was legal, she would have ended my life through an abortion. Second, she told me that if she had not had me, then she, like Annie Chapman believed, would have suffered an early demise of some sort. Meaning my mom believed that the trajectory of Heavy drug abuse would have been a tragic one. In hindsight, she was lucky the state did not incarcerate her for her part in allowing the abuse that I suffered. 
Moreover, when the state did take me away from her, she battled bouts of suicidal inclinations. But having me, and then when the state gave me back to her, after her conversion, she has something to live for. And as I alluded to, just being changed by Christ put her whole life in a new trajectory. And her reasons were to raise me as a child of God, as a woman of God, to share the gospel, and to make up as best she could for failing me by working to bless the children around her. So for me, yes, she installed a foundation of faith that allows me to reach many for Christ. For others, well, I can't tell you how many thousands and thousands of lives she touched, but it was epic. Um, She received a teaching credential, and her day job was daycare and preschool. She taught Sunday school. She reached out to the community for a donation of the bus, and she would be the bus driver picking up kids and bringing them to church. Uh, She went on many missionary walks, uh, El Camino Real and other main thoroughfares. She would walk on Friday nights, Saturday nights, witnessing and bringing, uh, sharing the gospel of Christ to people. Um, She eventually went on mission work with Youth with the Mission and the Anastasia ship going around the world um, and sharing the love of Christ. She went throughout Africa. She they had dry dock in Amsterdam. She would reach out to the uh, girls in the red light district and helping save a few ladies there. An amazing life. So a new perspective to consider is that when we talk about abortion, the first thing she told me, we focus on saving the baby. However, regarding that second thing she told me, we should always keep in mind the profound impact on the mother. Many who go through with it have a high level of depression and related psychological issues for the rest of their life. And just having the baby makes changes to the mother. And not just the higher level of Pitocin production and related changes, but yes, it is true having a baby is tough, but the joy of parenthood overshadows the tough parts. And by living for someone else, it makes the mother a better humanitarian overall. And in the case of my mom, you can see her actions, the things that I just listed, redeeming her life and redeeming her from those previous actions and overshadowing and redeeming herself from what happened to me. And then her work with the missions impacted countless tens of thousands of lives. So as Annie said, even even though the cross is a symbol of death for Christ, it becomes a symbol of eternal life for those who receive and accept it. You can choose it today as well. The Bible says that we we are renewed every day. We are to die in Christ daily. A Greek monk, who the other monks would only see maybe once a day, was reported as always greeting them with, What do you say, brother? Are we being saved today? If you consider yourself a Christian but have fell into the rut of dealing with the cares of this world, I would encourage you to make the regenerative choice to ask Christ to be in you, for you to be in Him, today. And if you have never felt the sweet spirit of redemption and cleansing through Jesus, then simply ask Him. It could be something as simple as the prayer my heroin-addicted mom prayed. And when she said, God... If you are real, then change me. 
you can do that too. Ask Jesus to come in you today so you can be in him. If you are looking for a way to heal the hurts of your childhood, then just ask Jesus for the spiritual medicine only Jesus can provide today. And with that, go in grace and may God keep you as perfect peace. Thanks for listening to What the Cross Means to Me, devotional program heard every week on KKXX Life Radio. If you'd like to view the image discussed in today's devotional, blessing, or my other perspirational works, check out Magi Cross on Instagram. If you'd like to learn how to fundraise through the Magi Cross products or donate to the Magi Cross ministry, log on to magicross.com. That is M-A-J-I-C-R-O-S-S dot com.